You're listening to Flaunt, Find Your Sparkle and Create a Life You Love After Infidelity or Betrayal. Have you been betrayed by life, your body, or someone that you love? You're not alone. No matter what you've been through, Naked Self-Worth helps you regain confidence, joy, and enthusiasm so you can create a life you love and flourish. Tune in weekly and learn how. One of the hardest things about finding out that your partner has had an affair is the shame and embarrassment talking about it because it makes you feel like you did something wrong, that somehow you weren't good enough and that you didn't keep them happy. And there's such a misperception in the world around what affairs are like and what it means when somebody has had an affair. That's why I have created a monthly support group for women who have been betrayed by their partner. It's for women who are really ready to move through the grief and the pain in a healthful way so they can claim what's possible for them on the other side of infidelity and betrayal as quickly and as healthfully as possible. And part of that is having community, having community with people who were positive. There are so many online support groups where everybody's just really negative and grouchy and they just vent their own pain and they vomit their pain all over you. And this group is nothing like this. This group is honest. Yes, we're honest. But it's also about support and community and holding each other and building each other up. If this sounds like something that you would be interested in, go to www.flourishafterinfidelity and sign up. When you sign up, you'll immediately get the Zoom link to our next meeting, and then you will be in the loop and you will know when each monthly meeting is about to occur. I really look forward to having you there, to building this community of strong women together. Once again, it's www.flourishafterinfidelity.com. And we'll see you at our next meeting. Hello and welcome to Flaunt. I'm Laura Cheadle, attorney and betrayal recovery coach who believes the betrayal uncovers the truth. The truth of what's possible for us once we stop focusing on all of those things that were done to us. And we start showing up unapologetically for ourselves. I'd really love to connect with you to see how I can best support you on your betrayal recovery journey so you can understand what really happened and heal faster, skipping the mistakes, pain, and obsessive thoughts that plagued me during my own betrayal recovery journey. So be sure to reach out and let me know how I can help you. Today is a special show. And if you have any domestic violence, or if you've ever been assaulted in your past, let me say, (laughs) trigger warning, because we are going to talk about some physical safety. I, my guest today is Chris Natsky, and I'm going to let him introduce himself because he is so experienced. He is so good in all things physical safety. And we're just going to talk about that and how you can best protect yourself, whether it's from a domestic partner, somebody that you might be dating, or just again, a more random attack. Although, as he will say, oftentimes it's not that random. So with that, welcome to the show, Chris. Great to be here, Laura. Thanks for having me. 
So will you start by just telling the audience a little bit about yourself and why you are the expert, why you know all of this stuff? Excellent. Well, my name is Chris Natsky and uh, I am an eighth degree black belt and former national taekwondo champion. So I've been doing martial arts since the early 70s. It's basically been an anchor in my life for that time. Um, but several years ago, probably about 25 years ago, I was um, introduced to a technology that looked at self-defense from a different perspective. Uh, it wasn't just technique-based. It was about dealing, helping people deal with the adrenal response so that there was an awareness inside of them that they had. And so much of my work now is helping people, what I call, understand the ABCs of self-defense, which is number one, awareness of their environment, as well as what's going on inside them, healthy boundaries that they can do verbally, they can do spatially, they can do physically. And then also then we move into combatives if, fortunately, if they need to do that, but they can use their body to protect themselves. I love that. I have seen uh, Chris speak a couple of different times, and I was fortunate enough to do a course with Chris as well, where I learned some of those combative techniques. But what has impressed me so much about him and his methodology is the way that it's not, hey, we're going to lean in and we're going to fight. I'm going to teach you how to fight. And that's really valuable because we don't even want to get to the place where we're going to fight. Absolutely. Well, you know, the thing of it is, is that 80% of the way that we communicate is done non-verbally. We've probably heard that stat before. And so much of it, it has to do with the energetics that we're putting out. And uh, I know that you've heard this in our course, Laura, when you took it, um, is that um, in our organization, we went to federal prisons and they interviewed uh, convicted sex offenders and they showed them pictures and videos. And they said, who would be the people you would prey upon? And in two different facilities, two different group of offenders, they picked within a 97% accuracy rate the same people. Wow. And it was because of the energetics they were putting out. They weren't making eye contact. They walked with their shoulders down with short steps. They, they just, they, they had an energy of a victim. And what we want to do in our training is help people transform that so that they're not a victim, right? They're, they're in their empowerment and so that they never have to have that situation because they're not targeted. Because most assailants, if they approach and someone now becomes assertive, they won't try to manipulate their way of dealing with that person. What they'll do is they'll just abort mission. They'll just go try to find someone else. So by being in our power and being able to express that energy, we're half the way there. Yeah. If not more. And that's huge. Huge. And that's true. So how do you do that? Because the listeners to the show have been betrayed by their intimate sure. partner, which leads you to feeling like a victim. Yes. And I like to say you feel victimized because let's face it, you kind of have been victimized yeah. and we need to deal with the grief and we need to deal with that. And we need to have that pity party. Mm -hmm. But how can we also go grocery shopping, be yeah. safe, deal with attorneys, maybe deal with our former partner and not project that energy of like, I'm feeling great when really we're feeling like I'm at the worst point in my life. Well, um, boy, that's such an, <laughs> such an impactful <laughs> question. So, I mean, first of all, I think that when we are in those situations, unfortunately, it's very important for us to feel those feelings. It's important for us to work through those and, and move through our process because many times I think what we can do is is if, if women in particular have been abused, is just to try to push that away. That's not something they want to deal with. And it's, boy, it's difficult to deal with, but there's so much payoff on the back end, right? Because now you that's where you find your power. 
I also don't necessarily enjoy using the word victim, right? Um, you know, we, we have these situations that occur to us, but if you are, say, victimized, you're not a victim, but you've been victimized, then what you want to do is you want to move to uh, a victory, right? Mm -hmm. And part of that is finding your power. And so much of the work I do is finding power in your voice yes. because so many people have difficulty, particularly women, because I think, you know, they're, we're socialized, they're socialized that way is to stay quiet. Don't mm -hmm. speak your mind. And I mean, part of the work that we do is we literally do scenario-based training where I play the role of the attackers, you know. Oh, I know. You know. <laughs> and, and then we train people on how to use their voice in order to back that assailant away. And it's so interesting because oftentimes I will literally see people's entire physiology change within a two, three-hour time period. They come in, they're a little bit meek, their shoulders are down, whatever, and at the end, they're this tigress. And so there's no... It's not like I can give you like the five steps to doing this. It's, it has to be experienced. It has to be experiential. But the one thing I want your listeners to know is it is possible. I have dealt with so many people who have come to us that have had traumatic experiences and literally had a breakthrough right in front of our eyes because in the work that we do, they literally were able to reformulate what had occurred. They changed the script and now they, we, we held them to living that experience and then they had a better outcome. So that's some real empowerment there. Yeah, that's huge. And again, I like what you say that it's not like you can say one, two, three, four, five, here it is. Right. But going back to that A, it's the awareness. How yes. are you showing up? Totally. And sometimes that's all that it takes. Right. Well, you know, and awareness comes in two ways, right? And you've heard me say this before is number one is number is be aware of your environment. So many of us are distracted. We've got our cell phones. We've got we're on the phone when we're driving, et cetera. We're not aware of what's going on. And sometimes I think that becomes our we think that's working for us. It's a defense mechanism, right? Right. If, if we don't look at it, it's not there, but it is. But the other thing is what's going on inside of you? When somebody says something to you that's a little off color, are you, you notice it and notice it, where is it in your body? Because those adrenal responses that we have were there, they're actually there to help us. Yeah. But if we don't know how to deal with them, you know, we've all heard about fight or flight, right? right. But the one thing we're not aware of is the third element of that is freeze. And that's where most of us go. Mm -hmm. And I always say in my seminars, if you don't think that's right, think about the last time you were in maybe a verbal altercation with someone, even if it was, you know, relatively mild, and all of a sudden you didn't know what to say. And then you were driving home 15 minutes later and all these ideas came to your mind. I should have said this, right? right? It's because you didn't know how to deal with the adrenal response. And it's literally there to help us. But when we have those feelings come forward, it can be overwhelming and we freeze. Yeah. I love that you use that as an example because Hopefully, nobody is in a situation like that with a stranger and there's an altercation. But most of the listeners here are going to have responses like that yeah. with their partner. Right. Well, and I'll tell you, you've heard me say this as well, is that FBI will tell us that 80% of women who are attacked are attacked by men that they know. Yeah. And about that same percentage of physical assaults will, will be preceded by verbal intimidation before it ever gets physical. Mm -hmm. So being able to access that. Now, I think that one of the most powerful things someone can understand is just the power of no. Yes. Being able to say no. Now, that, that transfers so many aspects, but many times we feel like we don't have the right to say that. Mm -hmm. And 
If I were to give you a big, long script of when somebody comes to try to attack you, you're not going to remember that. But if you remember, no, you're too close, back away, not now. And you say it in this assertive way, there is an energy to that. And I always love what one of my coaches told me. He said, Chris, he said, when your no's are powerful, your yeses are even more powerful. Right. Because now when you know what you're going to say no to and you're not going to allow into your in your energetic sphere, Mm -hmm. when you say yes to something, you're committed. Oh, I like that. Right. So it's it. it, And and what I would suggest if you if you think about a little tool is um, it's kind of an analogy. If you've ever seen the the Jim Carrey movie, Yes, Man, have you ever seen that movie where his his coach told him to say yes to everything? I would say on the other side of that is just practice saying no in, in small ways where you start to get comfortable with it. And then as you be, it begins to become more automatic than if you need to use it in a, in a, in a stressful instance, it's there for you. That's such good advice because especially for women, it's so hard to say no. We want to be liked. We want to be loved. We want to be accepted. We we feel like a good woman serves other people. That's right. But I'll I'll make this distinction. I actually share this in other talks that I give is I had another coach tell me that you need to take care of yourself so you can help take care of others. Mm -hmm. Note, I didn't say take care of others, help take care of others, facilitate them. But if you don't take care of yourself first... At some point in time, you're going to run out of energy. You're going to get resentful. You're just, I mean, it's just not going to be a good thing because no. you're giving from an empty cup. Right. And that's just not going to work. It's not going to work. Not, not long term. Okay. So talking about the power of saying no yeah. and verbally keeping yourself safe. Let's go specifically to a domestic situation. I hate to even say that our intimate partner can hurt us. Yeah. But our intimate partner can hurt us and quite often does hurt us. And I really appreciate that you work with the adrenal response because Mm -hmm. that is going to launch us into attack mode, launch us into freeze mode, do all sorts of things. So can you walk us through maybe a more traditional domestic situation and show women how they can go from using their voice to maybe de-escalate a yeah, situation? Yeah, great, great question. I think the first thing that's so important, and you, I'm sure, have, have heard this several times before, is the importance of getting into the breath. Okay. Mm-hmm. So when we get into an adrenalized response, what will happen is we'll begin shortness of breath. That's one of the, you know, the byproducts of the adrenal response. We also have something called tunnel vision mm-hmm. where we just focus. We can't focus on anything, but what's in front of us. We get auditory exclusion. We lose small motor skill. And one of the best ways to do that is to anchor into our breath with a deep breath into through our nose and then a exhalation through our mouth, almost like you're blowing through a straw. Okay. Mm-hmm. So I know that that sometimes when it's right there in front of us, it may be difficult to do. But if you have the ability, when you feel yourself getting, you know, adrenalized is to just take those three deep breaths and inhale through the nose, hold a little bit, exhale through the mouth, hold a little bit. We call it box breathing. Right. Mm-hmm. And so that we're able to anchor ourselves. Okay. Yeah. The next thing that I would say is, is if you are in a domestic dispute that starts verbally, is don't feel like you need to answer every question that's coming toward you, all right? Because sometimes I've seen people get totally off because they're trying to react to the to the shots that are coming at them, so to speak. But if you are just anchored, and and later on, we're going to do some stuff on video, right? So we'll show people the self-defense dance because it's it's showing uh, non-verbally that there is strength, but just repeatedly saying things like, no, 
Not now. You're too close. I said no. And that you're, and the way that I always explain it is we want them to be, if, if the person that is assailing them verbally comes in at level three, you go to level four. Then if they go to level five, you go to level six. So you don't want to be losing control. You want to be in control, but you want it to be in an empowered state, right? So kind of stair steps. And I think that many times people who are abused, and there are different levels of abuse, right? Some right. of the worst abuses is sometimes verbal and emotional abuse, correct? Absolutely. But in what, what people have done who are emotionally abused, and this is not a judgment, this is just true. We've conditioned people to treat us in the ways they treat us. We've taught them how to do it. And now when we're changing the script, we have an opportunity to set that new boundary. And um, I think that many times it can be one of the more shocking things of someone who's assailing someone verbally to go, whoa, okay, they're kind of standing their ground here. Yeah. Um, and, and the other thing, too, is it brings a sense of empowerment to the person saying it which then will show in their body physiology, et cetera. And they're not as, you know, and I'm not saying that'll always happen. It's a perfect world. But I think sometimes people have never even found their voice. I think that is so true. I think it's really interesting also what you were saying about stair-stepping up. Mm -hmm. I think some listeners might be thinking, but Chris, isn't that escalating the situation? No, what I'm saying is, is when, as they escalate the situation, you just ramp it up one notch further. Mm -hmm. I'm, what I'm not advocating is that they come in at level three and you come blasting at level 10. Yes. I'm just saying that you're still in control. You're in your breath. You're anchored. Yes. You're in a good, you're in a good, solid, physical way of expressing yourself. And verbally, it's, and it's constant too. It's like when we teach our courses and we're um, teaching people to react verbally, it's not long sentences. It's short, direct, assertive languaging. Mm -hmm. That's what we want to be expressing. I appreciate that so much because the short, assertive, direct languaging of no, not now, back away is not what I think so many people do. Yeah. It turns into this panicky, screechy, right. you can't even, we're not going to do it. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and then pretty soon there's no control within you. Right. And I think the person assailing you has. Well, see, now they, if, if they get you to that point, they're now in control. Yeah. Because you're being emotional. You're, you're kind of lost. It. But if you're direct, focused, and in your power, maybe I've never seen that side of you. Yeah. Right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Now, what about when you're protecting maybe small children at home yeah. as well? Yeah. Oof. Well, these are tough questions, Laura. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, I think I think the first thing we as adults is we always have that responsibility is that is paramount, right? Mm -hmm. And I know that sometimes, I mean, I'm, I'm just thinking of even in my own background when my father, who at times could be a very abusive alcoholic verbally, mm -hmm. not so much physically, but verbally, mm -hmm. and is to understand that when... Two things is that when we're allowing our kids to be in that environment, what we're doing is we're basically teaching them that it's okay to receive that themselves someday. And if they're watching you receive it in that way without any assertive pushback, you're once again reinforcing. And then when they go and they find mates and whatever, they're probably going to find someone who um, who stays in that same role, right? That yeah. they've been. So... 
obviously the, the best thing would be is not to have the kids there, but if they are there is to make sure they're in a safe place. And if you are presenting yourself, I would say to do it in the most empowered way possible. And if you at all feel there's a physical threat is to get out the best way you can. The other thing too, is don't think that you have to do this all yourself. So if you have people in your circle that you know, that can be supportive of you, reach out to those people, reach out to those people. I I think there's so many of our friends and family members that want to support us, Mm -hmm. but we think we have to do it all ourselves. Mm -hmm. And knowing that you've got someone who has your back and and it can be there for you if you're in in difficult times, I think it's really important. You don't have to, you have to do it solo. Thank you for that. I think that's really I think sometimes, I think uh, I had another coach tell me years ago, he said um, something to the extent of is that um, that vulnerability in, in, in that regard of asking for help is one of the, is one of, is 100% strength comes from 100% vulnerability. Okay. Yeah. So by being able to say, I need help in this, do you have me? Boy, it's just people will respond to that. That's just been my experience. Yeah. What I'm hearing in your words, and I just want to bring to the surface, is there's a difference between strength and aggression. Yes. There's a difference between vulnerability and weakness. And I think in our society, often we see either aggression or weakness. Yes. And it's really hard to shift our thinking. It is. Yeah. Yeah, One of the, one of my favorite books, I'm thinking, trying to think of the author's name right now, it's called Power Versus Force. Yes. And, um. It'll come to my mind, the author here in a moment, but, but the, there is a distinction between trying to force ourselves and be an aggressive. When we teach our classes, we create the distinction between passivity, aggression, and then being assertive. Mm-hmm. And what we're talking about is being assertive. Yeah. We're not talking about losing control. We're not talking about getting off of the deep end in terms of screeching at some. We're talking about very strong languaging and strong body communication. Mm-hmm. And that's power. It is. And that's power that not only is in those situations, but it works hand in hand with how you walk in life. Mm -hmm. So when you become empowered, you walk stronger in life. And when you walk stronger in life, you become more empowered in those situations or you don't even attract them. That's the key right there. Mm -hmm. That is the key. Because something that I hear from my women a lot is, why do I keep attracting the same stuff? Yeah. I don't mean to be glib when I say this, but I want to use this as an example. You have the situation in this relationship, and then you had the situation in this relationship. And all of a sudden you realize that the person you've been in a relationship to or married to is like the same person, right? But the one thing we have to know is there's one common denominator. and You were there. Yeah. So what can you do to make that change? It's not about going outside and finding someone that makes you feel safer or makes you feel more secure. It's about feeling that way inside yourself first. And when you can do that, then you're going to attract the person that reflects that back to you. Mm -hmm. And I like how you preface that because it is hard. It is very hard. Yeah. And I don't know about you, but I know there's times where I look in the mirror and I think, oh, now I see it. And there's embarrassment, there's shame, yeah. but you know, that's life. It's totally life. And you, we, you've heard us say it in our seminars. It's like when we, when we have people go through our workshops and then we're like, okay, I know you may have had situations where you maybe didn't handle it that well in the past. Let that go. Cause you don't know what you know now. Right. Right. It doesn't, you're not going to bring in any of those feelings of shame and guilt or whatever are not going to serve you. No. Just go from where you're at and go forward, but know that Everything starts with us. Mm-hmm. Everything starts with us. 
So if you want to feel more empowered, in, in my talks, I, I often talk about this idea of many times we look at life from a perspective of have do be. When I have a secure relationship, then I'll do the things I want to do and I'll be happy. But that doesn't work out that way. You want to turn the words around to be do have. I need to be empowered. I need to be um, assertive. I need to be then do the things that an assertive person would do. Then you can have your happiness and safety and security. I love that. And I love how you say that because that's the root of so much self-development exactly. or coaching or anything. Exactly. And that's why I don't like using the word victim. Yes. Because if we feel that we are a victim, then we think we don't have a choice. And when we're out of choice, we're out of power and empowerment. We always are a choice. Yeah. Not to say they're easy choices. No, that's we're, the but thing. But we're always a choice. Yeah. And I love that because I always make the distinction with my people. You were victimized. Yes. But you're not a victim. That's right. Exactly. 100%. <laughs> yeah. 100%. Yeah. 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 Okay. So A, that awareness. Awareness externally, awareness internally. Now let's move on to B. Yeah. Boundaries. Boundaries. Yeah. Well, we've already kind of spoken a little bit about it, but... The first thing, let's just talk about physical boundaries. Yes. There are so many instances in our lives where we are not aware of our physical awareness. We talked about that. Mm -hmm. And that we allow people to move into situations around us physically where we just allow it because we just feel uncomfortable. We don't want to, we don't want to be rude, whatever. But our physical boundary, whatever is feels comfortable for us is our boundary. Yes. And it's something that we need to establish and we need to hold to. From a practical standpoint, we always say if you're feeling a little bit uneasy with someone, you need to make sure that you are at least two of their steps distance from them. Because if you're within one step of them, they can engage very quickly, very easily. Mm -hmm. But you want to have that physical boundary. But then, you know, that we're talking about boundaries in terms of just the conversations that you have. If there are things that are inappropriate that are being said, yes. is to stop it. And again, from a standpoint of assertiveness... Hey, that does not make me, I'm, I'm uncomfortable when you say that. Please stop. And there's a whole different realm of just screeching at someone saying, don't talk to me that way anymore. But what most of us do is we, we deal on the edges of extremes. Yes. We either say nothing or we go off the deep end. It's about, this is the boundary here. This cannot be crossed. Mm -hmm. And I'm sorry, I won't accept that. Mm -hmm. It's easier said than done. But when we practice it, pretty soon it becomes very um, natural for us to do. Yeah. We could just talk all day about this <laughs> because there's boundaries in so many different areas. And I want to go back to the way you said, that makes me very uncomfortable. Yeah. Please stop. It's so different than you can't treat me that way. You can't talk to me that way. Really, well, I can you know, watch me. Think about this. This may be a bad analogy, but if any of you had siblings when you were growing up and the big brother and big sister was kind of picking on the, on the little brother or sister and got into the point where, stop it. Yeah, but, well, the big brother or big <laughs> sister, they knew they were in control at that point, yep. right? Yep. But if you're just like making direct eye contact, speaking to them and saying, this is not okay, please stop. I said no. It's a whole different energy. It is. It's a whole different energy. It is. It's funny because I also think about dog training. <laughs> For anybody who has trained dogs, it's a one-word command. Yes. It's sit. Yes. It's stay. Yes. It's come. It's not, will you please come over That's here? right. Exactly. <laughs> well, I, I know you probably have heard me tell this story before, but this is years ago. I was on a um, a trip with a group of martial arts instructors down in Alabama. We were going to be doing a house build, a Habitat for Humanity. 
And before we got to our final destination, we were overnight at a hotel. And I'm sitting in my hotel room in the middle of the day. And I, I want to get outside. So yeah. I go outside. I got my book and my water bottle. And I'm walking. And I'm in this neighborhood. And as I'm in this neighborhood, I notice it's not the best of neighborhoods. Mm-hmm. But I'm like, you know, I know how to protect myself, whatever. So I'm walking through the neighborhood. All of a sudden, over this like little hill appears this Rottweiler. And she's barking at me, right? And I can tell she's been nursing, so she's very protective. So I'd always heard, don't engage with the dog, turn around, walk away. So I start walking away. Well, I hear her closing in on me. So I start walking a little faster, a little faster. (laughs) The next thing I know is I feel my pant leg, and she's got it. And I turn around thinking I'm going to throw down with this dog, right? Right. And then it hit me. I teach this. So I got big, I got put in my self-defense stance, and I said, no, bad dog, bad dog. <laughs> and she reared back and ran away. Isn't that funny? And and I, I went to the hotel. My son was there. He was traveling with me. I told him about it. He said, of course, Dad, it was a chihuahua. I said, no. No. <laughs> it was, it was a but the fact of the matter is, is, what it came present for me is that dog's reaction to me is the same way humans would react. Yeah. It was still the predator to prey, mm-hmm. and I flipped the script. Yeah. Using my voice. Yeah. And why is it so hard for us to use our voice yeah. sometimes? Well, I'll tell you this. I, I think that so much of it is conditioned. Mm-hmm. And, you know, good children are, are seen. They're not heard kind of thing. And I think it's even more culturized in women because yes. boys are allowed to be rambunctious and whatever and girl. And I think that one of the greatest gifts we can give our kids is being able to help them understand their voice and the appropriate ways to use them. Yeah. Yeah. So if you've got kids, I want you to think about that for you as well as for your kids. Yes. Because it's my guess that the reason you're listening to this show is because you're in a contentious situation and things are not good. Yeah. And yes, you need to speak up for yourself and you need to speak up for your kids. And like Chris said earlier, kids learn by example. They sure do. Yeah. Much, much more than anything you're going to say to them. Yeah. And, you know, I, I think I think of all the lessons, both good and bad, that I even personally got from my parents, right? Oh, totally. We all have. And, you know, and how many times have we, you know, oh, my, I'll never do that. And all of a sudden you're talking to your child and you're like, oh, my God, I'm my mother right now. I did my that. Dad, right? <laughs> so it's just, it's just something that happens naturally. Yeah. So it's about stepping back, being conscious, not feeling guilty about it, but just making a change and moving forward. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So on the boundaries and you know what, before we go there, another reminder, Chris and I are filming some stuff That's right. right after. That's so right. we will show you the two steps away exactly. and what that looks like. Exactly. Okay. So on the boundaries, you are with an intimate partner. Mm-hmm. Maybe they've had disclosure and maybe you're still living together to, because you are not sure if you're going to stay together. Maybe you've committed to staying together, whatever, but things are feeling weird. Yeah. But they're your partner and you're sitting yeah. together on the couch and you're feeling uncomfortable. Yeah. But how do you broach that mm-hmm. without wrecking things? Yeah. Wow. You didn't tell me there were going to be this many uh, difficult questions. <laughs> you know, I, I think I think the first thing is, is that those agreements and those things to talk about them are done not when you are in the heat of the discussion. Yes. They're done when you are away from that and you're able to have that discussion. And you've either agreed to what's going to happen if you feel uncomfortable beforehand Mm -hmm. or you've already and or you have in your mind what you're going to do if that occurs. So, you know, it's it's about open communication. 
I know that, I mean, I'm obviously speaking from a men's perspective versus woman's perspective. So I want your listeners to know that I appreciate that. All I'm saying is just from a standpoint of if you're dealing with a man, it's my own opinion, who you really want to be with long term. And it's healthy for you to be with long term. When he, when he, you give him those boundaries, he needs to be accepting of those. And if he's not, it's time to maybe look at another strategy or another, another relationship. That's just my own personal opinion. And I think the same thing goes for young girls as they're dating. If they're seeing men who are treating them or young boys that are treating them not respectfully, it's like, whew. Don't, don't think you're going to change someone. You need to be, mm-hmm. but again, to my point is having those conversations beforehand and, yes. you know, not in the heat of it because then it's like, whoa, it's always happened before. Why can't it happen? No. Remember when we had that conversation? I'm, I'm triggered right now. I need you to, I need you to be appreciative of that. I need you to listen to me. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, I guess that's, that's the one thing that would come present for me. Don't, be reactive in that situation. Be proactive with what you need beforehand. Yes. I I appreciate that because I know in my own betrayal recovery journey, that was something that we need to have some bounds in talking about the affair. Yes. We can't just talk about it 24-7. Yes. I can't just spring it on you because I have a fear. You can't just push me away and say, we have to have some rules around this. Right. Because otherwise we are going to be in each other's faces and there's not going to be any psychological safety and there's going to be no emotional boundaries. Mm -hmm. And I hate to say it, I was not hit. I was not abused physically, but I know a lot of people are and that that's also a fear too, that I will physically shove you away or I will, yeah, got to talk about it. Well, yeah, you have to, because what ends up happening is when the situations get heated now, neither one of you are dealing with a with a consciousness that's going to bring a good result. Mm-mm. You're both reacting. You're not responding to a situation. You're reacting to a situation. And having things you're going to say and having agreements before that happens, then you can default to it, right? It's like, yes. oh, remember what we talked about? Or uh, this is what I'm going to say. We're just trying to make it up when you're in an adrenalized place. Yeah, absolutely. And then like that, hopefully one person at least will be calm enough to say, no. I need to back away. Yes. I need to go take a walk. Right. I need 20 minutes. Yes. Now is not the time. And also make it about what I need in that situation, not what you're doing. Great point. Right? Because then a defensiveness can come up. And, you know, when you say this, no, right now I'm feeling this way. Or when you say this, I feel this way. Mm -hmm. And now I need to take some time away versus you always do this and you always say this and because then it becomes personal and then it's just going to be who's going to lob the next grenade, right? Mm-hmm. It's just not going to be healthy. No, no, not at all. And then that's more in that interpersonal realm. Going forward, people might want to date. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of dating apps. Yeah. You don't really know the people you're meeting. Right. Can you talk about some safety boundaries yeah. when you're first meeting somebody or how to meet people or Absolutely. when to meet people? Or? Absolutely. Well, the first one is pretty commonsensical, but we always recommend that people will meet um, their potential date or even a business associate, real estate agents have this as, as well and meet them in a public place. Yeah. Okay. Um, pretty commonsensical. Make sure that you have a buddy that knows where you're at at all times mm-hmm. and that you're able to access quickly. Sometimes we will even say is to have or some type of a code word if things are going a little bit off center, right? So in the case when I do this training for real estate agents, it might be, 
Oh, let me call my assistant. Um, hello, Mary. Yes, I need the red file. Okay, the red file means I'm in trouble. Send right. Help, right. Right. So something that's a little bit disguised so that you're not, you know, showing your whole hand, but at the same time, something's happening there. Be very clear as well about where you are posting your whereabouts. Social media is great. Mm -hmm. can also be really, really difficult in terms of making us vulnerable yeah. about where we're at. We're on vacation. We're in this place right now. It's just so, so important. And then the final thing, the final thing is listen to your intuition. Huge. If you are feeling in a situation that it just doesn't feel right, this guy's giving you the heebie-jeebies, bow out gracefully. Don't think, oh, I can't listen to that because I can guarantee you all the people that have come to me throughout the years, I've heard multiple stories of people saying, I knew I shouldn't have been there, but I didn't want to insult anyone. Excuse my language. I didn't want to be a bitch. Yes. So I didn't want to leave and it turned out bad. Yep. So listen to your intuition. I so appreciate that. And listen to where it is in your body. So our bodies are constantly speaking to us. Many times when we get adrenalized, we'll feel it in our chest. We'll feel it in our, in our stomach mm -hmm. of some sort. And what we oftentimes do is we push it down. And we've probably all been in instances where, oh, I shouldn't go there. I shouldn't do this. And we did. And it didn't turn out well. Yes. Listen to yourself. Yes. And I tell the same thing to kids when I do this training. Yeah. Listen to it. Yeah. I know. Same thing. Every time I've pushed it down, something happens. Exactly. And then I want to kick myself. That's right. <laughs> Why did you That's do right. that? That's right. Yeah. It's the head and the heart. The mm -hmm. head. Great. Yeah. I like being in my head, but I've That's got right. to stay in my That's heart. That's right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Ugh. Particularly if you are not choosing not to do something because you think you're going to make someone else feel bad. Yes. Yes. Yeah. I always, I tell this when I, when I, when I, and I do this training, not only with adults, but particularly with uh, teenage girls is is if you are dating or you're on a first date with a young man who wouldn't honor that, mm -hmm. you don't want to be with that guy long-term anyway. No, you don't. Because it's just going to get worse. No, you don't. Okay, here's, here's another tough question then. <laughs> there is the difference between manipulation mm -hmm. and manipulating somebody else mm -hmm. and saying what you don't mean and testing people and a real true... That is against my core values. Yeah. Sometimes that's hard to know. Mm -hmm. And I think especially, especially women, maybe just speaking for myself, I don't want to seem like I'm manipulating. I don't want to seem like I'm weak. I don't like, I don't want to be seen like that. Sure. And there's sometimes that tension between how do I know when it's really me? And how do I know if I'm manipulating somebody else? Mm -hmm. Do you know what I'm saying? I do. I, and, I, and I think that manipulation is definitely a survival tactic, mm -hmm. right? It's one that we do both as men and as women in order to deal with situations that we're not certainly assured of or comfortable with. Mm -hmm. My sense would be is to be as honest as possible when we're in those situations. And I know that might sound a little bit of cliche, but if, if you like something, say it. If you don't like something, say it. I think that sometimes what a men, from my experience, is what men like to not only, they don't like to hear when they're not doing well, but they also like to hear when they're doing things that are good. Yes. And that's okay too, is to be able to share, you know what, when you said that, I really enjoy that. Thank you. Yeah. And, and acknowledge that. Because I think there's a manipulation on the other side that if you don't, and you've got, you know, people trying to be reactive, but then when things are said and done that you're not, then... Be honest with them there. And again, 
do it in such a way where it is about the action and not about the person. Yes. When you do this, it makes me feel this way. I would appreciate it if you not do that anymore. It was about the act. It wasn't about why are you such a jerk? Because you always say this to me. Now it becomes personal. He gets defensive. Now you're in this contest. Mm -hmm. I'm I'm not saying it always works, but my experience is many times it does because it neutralizes the situation. Mm -hmm. It's not about them. Mm -hmm. It's about the act. And I think that many times men who act out, they're doing it from a strong sense of insecurity anyway. Yes. So if, if they feel now they're on the defensive, they're going to go into attack mode where if you're saying, hey, this is what's going on. Hey, and, and, and again, remind them when they've done something well. Hey, you do this really well. When you do this, I really love it. Can I share with you something that I'm a little bit uncomfortable with? Great. Mm-hmm. And then when they when they make those behavioral changes, make sure you remind them. Thanks for doing that. Men like to hear that. Just yeah. talking as a man. Oh, like yeah. To hear that. Oh, I appreciate that so much. Mm-hmm. So much. Especially mm-hmm. because most of the listeners in my show, it's not about, he did this to me and blah, blah. Most of the people who are listening want to elevate as humans. Right. If they have kids, whether they're together or not, they're going to be co-parenting forever. Yes. It's about finding the common ground, finding their strength, finding their power, and learning how to communicate and make things better for everyone. Amen. And I'll, I'll just, I said this before. Um, and I went through this with my own divorce, separation and divorce, um, is your children, whatever you're role modeling in either in marriage, in relationship or in divorce mm-hmm. is something that they're going to most likely replicate because that's what's been role modeled. Yeah. And I just know that when, when I separated from my uh, wife, who we had been together at that point in time for 26 years, both yeah. of us had set an agreement with each other. That we would not use the boys, we have two sons together, as a medium of our communication or of any way of dealing with difficulties and challenges we have with one another. And I'm really proud that we both stuck to that. And I think as a result of that, our boys had a pretty healthy, it was a painful experience, of course. Of course. But it was a healthy experience in terms of how we both dealt with it. Right. Because conflict is, is inevitable. It is. It's internal, it's external, yes. it's everywhere all the time. Right. It's how do we deal with right. it? Right. And weaponizing our kids in that situation is not healthy for your relationship, but it's definitely not healthy for them. So if everything inside of you wants to just, just like lash out at somebody, <laughs> stop and go, what's this going to do for my kids? That might be one of the best check-ins. Mm-hmm. Is that what I want to role model for my son and for my daughter? And what's it going to do for me? Right. Because that was a big one. Like in my situation, mm. I had, I, it's embarrassing to say, but I had so many friends be like, are you going to revenge cheat? And I'd be like, why? <laughs> why would I do the No, that's not who I am. How is that going to help me? Right. No doubt. And same no thing. Doubt. How is attacking somebody else going to help me? Exactly. And, you know, th- this is maybe another whole topic, but that area of forgiveness. Yeah. And it's not necessarily saying that the act was right. You're not doing that, but you're just accepting that's what happened. And you're forgiving yourself for the judgment about it. And that's where the freedom is. That's where the freedom is. And it's hard. Trust me. I I mean, I shared with you earlier that my marriage ended. The catalyst for it was infidelity on my wife's part. Yes. And was by far the most traumatic and painful time of my life. I say that having had lost a brother when I was 17, so a death in my family, that situation just rocked my world. 
Yeah. And I look back at it now and it's going 18 years ago that that occurred. I'm so much better of a person now because I chose to look and I'm not saying I got it all worked out, but versus if I would have been angry, manipulative, trying to you know be in a retributive mode, et cetera, yes. it would have just damaged me. Yeah, I know it would have. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. And that as well was a turning point for me. I was, I mean, awful, completely shattered, broken. Yeah. And I thought, it's my choice if I let this ruin me or if I let this launch me into right. something greater. And right. I'm choosing to launch myself into that's, something greater. That's how I looked at it too. And it wasn't an easy thing. And man, not. I look back at some of the ways that I showed up and some of the things that I said. I mean, if you could fog a mirror, I would tell you my story during that time, right? I was just, just projecting all my pain on whoever would listen. And I've realized now, you know, that I played a role in that. Of course. You know, and that was a healthy realization for me. And now when I look back at that situation, I look where she's at now, God bless her. And where I'm at, we wouldn't be compatible right now exactly. because of who the person I became as a result of that. Yeah. Not even mentioning what's going on with her, but just I know I couldn't mm -hmm. do that. Yeah, so. exactly. And like that, that's what it's all about. Becoming more. That's right. Yeah. And part of that is we need to protect ourselves. Yes. We need to stay safe and at the same time capable of growth. That's right. And that's well, that constant balance. Exactly. And, you know, I know that we've been talking a lot of man on woman. Um aggression, et cetera, et cetera. But what I realized through my experience with infidelity and then divorce and then recovery from that is I, as a man, had advocated a lot of my power in the relationship. Yep. I had like given so much of it away. And so I came out of the other end going, whoa, I was totally unconscious to it mm -hmm. because I thought it was the right thing to do. And I think I've ended up being becoming a much more powerful, individuated person as a result of that experience. And here's what I love about that too. Some of my mm -hmm. listeners who want to work it out with their partner go in with the belief that now he screwed it all up. So now I have all the power. Mm. And it's like, oh. Now you're weaponizing it. Yes. You're weaponizing it. And that's that that might work well in the short term and in terms of shutting down an argument, but over time. It is so corrosive and cancerous to a relationship. Mm -hmm. It's it's not going to survive. And, you know, as I said before, you know, I'll speak from a man's family. We like to find out when we're doing well, yeah. you know, and if you're in that combative relationship and he's not getting any positive reinforcement, chances of him probably repeating that behavior are going to be high as well. So yes. it's a it's a slippery slope there. And I understand anger and hurt and whatever. And it's healthy to get that out. But. I would say, please don't weaponize it. It's not going to be good for anyone. Yeah. Because the thing is, we're talking about boundaries. Everybody needs boundaries yes. on both sides of the relationships. Yes. And if that's incompatible, could be. it could be. It could be. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And then moving to the C, and we're going to do a lot of this yes. in the video demonstration, <laughs> but I want to hear more about, you know, combatives <laughs> and if and when you go there, both in an intimate relationship and then yeah. with, yeah, let's talk about that. Absolutely. Well, <laughs> first and foremost, um, if you can avoid uh, a physical confrontation, please do so at any cost. Mm -hmm. It's a last resort. Uh, I always say that 
the, the best um, the best way of dealing with that physical situation is the most powerful martial art on the planet. It's not karate. It's not taekwondo. It's not krav maga. It's run fu, right? So if you can be out of the situation, <laughs> take that. However, if in fact it it is a point, your your back is up against the wall. There's no other place to do it. Know that that. In a physical confrontation, it's about 90% attitude and 10% where to hit them and what to do. Okay. Mm-hmm. It's not, and, and as you've taken in our course, you know, we don't spend a lot of time doing all these fancy moves, et cetera, yeah. because those are all going to go out the window when you're adrenalized. Yes. It's about having some core moves to vulnerable parts of the body, but it's about fighting until 10 minutes after you're dead. Does that make sense? <laughs> it's just yes. like, you will not be taken down. And you know, the, the, the vulnerable areas of the body, which we'll go over in a moment. I mean, certainly the eyes and, and the face, particularly around the nose and the chin. And we'll, we'll be dealing with what the heel palm later on. I'm going to show that in a demo. And then the, the knee strike to the groin. Those are the two areas that we focus on, but it is about a fighting spirit. Yeah. It is about a fighting spirit that says, I will not be dominated. I will not be injured. I will not be hurt. I will protect myself and have that as your attitude. And that is going to take you further than anything else, I believe. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, I think when we, what's so neat about learning the physical combatives and self-defense is, and I mentioned this before, is they play off of each other. So when you have um, an adeptness and an understanding of how to carry yourself physically, yeah. you'll now show more confidence in the way that you're out in the world. And as a result of that, you'll be less of a target, right? Yes. So it works in this beautiful circle. I, I use this example a lot. I, when I had my martial arts school, I used to teach a lot of kids, yeah. which I love teaching kids. And many times I would have parents come and bring their child because he or she was being bullied. Mm-hmm. And one of the first things we do is we talk when they're into a lesson, we talk about body posture, looking in their eye, making a handshake, a polite greeting, et cetera. And so I would, I would invariably always check in about four to six weeks later. How are things going? How are things happening? Being bullied. Yeah. And I can't tell you how many times, Laura, I would have the child tell me, I don't get bullied anymore. Yeah. Well, what happened? He didn't punch the bully in the nose. He didn't kick him in the, he, he didn't do anything. He was standing with more assertiveness. His shoulders were back. His chin was up. He was making eye contact. He wasn't acting as a target or a victim. Yeah, because you had said something similar earlier about self-esteem, self-confidence. Bullies are the ones that have no self-esteem, self-love. See, I I, I literally just on Friday night, I taught a a kid's self-defense class. Okay, similar to what you did before, you know, appropriate Mm -hmm. for kids. And we talk about what bullies look like. And it's interesting, you know, at that age from, you know, six to 10, they're, oh, they're big, they're hairy, they wear black, they have bad teeth. Well, no, bullies are like anybody, <laughs> right? They look like anyone. But I always tell them, I say, bullies didn't come out of their moms going, wah, I'm a bully. No. Bullies bully because they were bullied too. Yeah. And most of the time they're doing it because they are feeling insecure. They're feeling bad about themselves and they think they'll feel better. And they do for a short period of they time. Do. For a short period of time, but then it doesn't last. And then they're off to the Don't next person. And so it's not to it's not to advocate their behavior and it's not to say it's justified. It's just say, understand there's another reason they're doing it. And yeah. if you know that, they're not as big and bad as they were before. No. Yeah. And you're right. Then it's that attitude. 
I, I do know some skills. I do know some, right. so it's, it's fine. And I would say in a, in a romantic relationship, it's the same way that when men are doing that or women are doing it to their partner, right. it, it is a projection of the pain that they're holding inside of themselves. Yes. It doesn't mean that the actions are appropriate or, or justified or right. Just know that's the source. Mm-hmm. That's a, that's a, that's a hurt people, hurt people, right? One of my favorite yeah. phrases. Yeah. 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 And I like that because just by having the confidence then sometimes that I do know where to hit, how yes. to hit, mm-hmm. it's going to be okay. Yes. You are a little bit less likely or maybe a lot That's less right. likely to be victimized. That's right. That's right. You think about, you know, the bobcat up, up in the mountains and he's hungry. He wants lunch. Is he going to go for the big 12 point buck who's walking majestically through the woods or the little rabbit that's limping, mm-hmm. right? Because most people who are looking to victimize someone else are not looking for a fight. They're looking for a victim. Yeah. It's just, it's just, it's the way of the world. Yeah. So even like that at home, you can leave. Yes. You can leave. Yes. And have that thought out ahead of time. What is your plan? What is how? What would that look like? Mm-hmm. Um, don't do it when you're in that frenzied state and you're trying to chase, you know, run for your life, whatever. Is have things, you know, if, if when, when people are expecting a baby, yes, they've got like the baby bag, right? Yes, have something like that where you're ready to move when you need to quickly and assertively, and you've got your plan worked out and mm-hmm. it's there because in that emotional state, you're not going to be able to think clearly. But if you have a plan of, of, of action, you'll be able to follow that. Yeah. So people are at home. Maybe there's an infidelity disclosure. Things got wonky. Somebody strikes. Things start. How would you recommend? And I know it's all case specific, but yeah. if things start getting physical, what should somebody do? Are you saying as someone who's being victimizing and being beaten? Is that what you're saying? Um. Maybe a relationship that did not have domestic abuse, but all of a sudden there's a disclosure and in that moment of rage, somebody hits and somebody hits back or somebody shoves or somebody. Yeah. Well, the best thing in terms of trying to diffuse a situation like that is to create space, both physical space, but also emotional space. Mm -hmm. As we said before, is to get in your your breath as best you can. Man, I, I can... It was almost 20 years ago. I still remember when I had that conversation. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And just how painful it was. Now, my reaction wasn't to act out. My reaction was denial. Of course. I couldn't believe it is happening. Right. But the best thing is, is to get into breath and get to a point where you can respond and not react. And if you feel, I, I, I've been to the place where I've seen red. Okay. Mm-hmm. And I'll just share this story too. I was literally sharing this with a friend the other night. Um, my wife, the the end of our relationship, the catalyst was her infidelity. Later on, she became married and they're still together. So God bless them, right? Right. Well, I had thought I had done a lot of work on that situation. And I had not met him. I had just you know seen pictures and heard about him. And, and we were already divorced and they were dating and they you know eventually got married. And they came into town for our youngest son's high school graduation. And... They landed in DIA, came in from Hawaii, and um, my former wife called me and said, hey, we got in town a little early. Can we come by and see our oldest, our youngest son? I said, sure. I'm thinking, I got this all covered, right, done all my I'm forgiveness fine. work. I'm all set. So they come to the door. I answer the door, and I see him there, and I see red. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I see myself 
sidekicking him in the throat. You know, like in one of those yep. movies. <laughs> and then all of a sudden, blah, 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 I come out of it. And now I can't speak. I'm so flustered. Yeah. And I remember they left and my son said, Dad, what happened? You were so, you look so scared. Well, I was scared I was, was going to hit him. Yeah. I was scared I was going to kill him. Yep. So I get it. Yep. I get where that, I mean, I had no idea where that came from. Yep. But if you are, if you do have a preponderance to that, if you've had that experience before, think it through, get into your breath, create situations that you can move away. And I know sometimes it's thrown on us. We just react. But whatever we can do to stop and create the space before you do something you regret, that's, I guess, how I would answer that question. Yeah. It's not easy. It's simple. Not easy. Right. No, and thank you for sharing that because that that is where it's hard. Because even in my own situation, and I think some of my listeners who have listened for a while know this, I found out on the phone, he came at me to get the phone. I was not going to turn loose of his phone. And something clicked in me that I'm like, I'm going to fight till I die. And fortunately, I didn't. (laughs) But that was that instinct. It is interesting that someone that we have held so beautifully in our hearts and and, and, you know, and in a loving relationship can bring out that side of us that is so angry yeah. when we're betrayed. It's just yes. a really interesting human condition because yes. I had, oh my gosh, I mean, it was, I mean, so many emotions. And in martial arts, we always teach self-control. And man, I'm, I was like dealing with this inside myself. I just want to go kick some ass, right? right. I get it. Right. I get it. Right. It was not, it was, it was, it was being able to look at myself in a different way and accept that shadow part of myself. Right. And once I was able to do that, then I was able to deal with it. But the more I resisted it, the more it just became ugly. Yeah. Well, thank you so much. We are listeners. I'm, we're going to close this show and we're going to go into the video section. So absolutely, the link will be below. It will be on YouTube. It will be everywhere. Um, but you're not going to want to miss this because these are some of those basic skills that you will have so it can increase your confidence. So you will have better boundaries. So you'll be more confident asserting yourself verbally, energetically, all of that stuff. So you never, ever, ever get to the point, hopefully, that you need to use any of these physical techniques. So stick with us. You will enjoy what's to come. And in the meantime, have a phenomenal week and always remember to flaunt exactly who you are because who you are is always more than enough. Tune in next time to Flaunt. Find your sparkle and create a life you love after infidelity or betrayal with radio host and live choreographer Laura Cheadle every Wednesday at 7 a.m. and 7 p.m. Eastern Time on syndicated Dream Vision 7 Radio Network. Develop naked self-worth and reclaim your confidence, enthusiasm, and joy so you can create a life you love and embrace who you are today. Download your free Sparkle Through Betrayal Recovery Guide at NakedSelfWorth.com.